All right. If you can find your way back to your seat. Oh, Jose, oh. Are you guys liking the weather? Yes. Who's putting on their heater already? No one, thank God. If you can't appreciate this in the valley, you don't deserve a heater. Cool. You know what, before we get started, before we get into it, who likes market manipulation? Yeah? Okay. We're kind of going a little bit out of this book called The Knowledge of the Holy. If you are intelligent, you will go to bookfinder.com and type The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer, and it's kind of going to be a race to find, like, who of you are going to buy it at 2 or $3 right now, and the rest are going to be stuck with, like, $10. So if you're smart, you know, maybe we can raise the price, and everyone else trying to buy this book in this country will get a little mad, because then they don't get the cheap ones. Cool. So we are talking about thinking rightly about God tonight. Have you ever met, or are you possibly someone who is so arrogant that you have to almost like poke them to make sure they're real and you're not hallucinating? Have you ever met someone so arrogant? There was one time, and actually this guy lived with Daniel and Dane and Sean when we were, he already knows who I'm talking about. When, when we were at Sam Houston, this guy, I'm not going to say his name because I don't really remember it, but he, he had to have been one of the most arrogant people I've ever met. The guy was an atheist, had all these crazy dreams of starting his own record label when he was, you know, couldn't even pay for rent and living in a closet. But anyway, we, we had this Chi Alpha event, and one of our amazing missionary friends, this guy that we would all pay money to hang out with if we had to, was there. And he talked to this, this guy, this atheist guy, for 30 minutes, maybe an hour, just about the Lord. Just telling this guy how much the Lord cares about him, just going through everything, answering his questions. And I believe it was Dane, it wasn't you, it was Dane giving him a ride home afterwards. Like, what would you think about our friend? Like, you all have a good conversation? Dude, that guy, we had such a good conversation. It was so great. We, we talked about all these things about God, and, and it kind of went quiet. And then he looks over at Dane, and he says, you know what? I don't think anyone knows more about God than me. This guy was an atheist an hour ago, right? Somewhere in there maybe became agnostic. And I definitely wouldn't say he's a Christian, but at least he became a deist or something. But then within an hour of not believing God exists, he was determined that no one, no one knew more about God than him, right? <laughs> what? I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I knew how arrogant this guy was, and I could not believe that story. Now, the funny thing is, I'll, I'm going to tell you another story later about another guy. I've met three people who look exactly like this guy. Him and then two other people, they all look the same, and they've all been extremely arrogant. So now if I ever meet anyone that looks like this guy, like, Lord, help me, I'm going to have a bias. <laughs> that I'm just going to have to, I don't know. It, Lord, help me with that. Anyway. Tonight, we are in Psalms 1, so I'll give you a second, open up, Psalm 1, it's the first one in Psalms, almost right in the middle of the Bible, you should be used to turning to that area for the past couple weeks, alright, I'm not waiting for any more, Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, 
nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Jesus, speak to us tonight. Lord, you have a message in, in every chapter and every page of your Bible, Lord. We want to hear what you want to speak to us through this psalm tonight, Lord. Just open our ears, open our hearts, Lord. We love you, and we trust that you will speak to us if we listen. Amen. Amen. Cool. So who, who here has found out in your walk with the Lord so far that walking with him is actually fairly simple? No one said it's easy, right? It's not necessarily easy, but it is simple. And it's so simple that little children seem to understand it more clearly than us. We like to complicate things. We like to, right, when, when the Lord's looking at something like it's black and white, and you're like, oh, hold up, all these gray areas, and we get all political and stupid. It's like we want it to be complicated. Because if it's not complicated, then it's not adult enough for me. It's not intellectual enough. Now, there's a lot to dive into the Lord's character, right? That's why I'm telling you to get this book, because we can't go through it all tonight. But there's a lot to dive in. In his mind and his character is never ending, but the life Jesus calls us to is simple. If you've ever talked to a kid and just ask him about any question about Jesus, and they're like, it's like this, duh. And you, you might just think, oh, you sweet little kid, God bless your heart. And really, the Lord's looking at you saying, like, you sweet little moron, God bless your heart. You have no idea how wise that kid is. So here's one thing. God can only be known through revelation and relation, not philosophy or science. Now, now here's the thing. All truth is God's truth. We say that. If something is true, it is from God, whether it is spoken of in science, in philosophy, or in religion. But you're not going to have some scientist build some telescope so great that he's like, oh, I found God. I can see him there. That's what the Tower of Babel actually was. Like These guys are trying to witchcraft science find God, become gods. You're not going to have a bunch of dusty old philosopher farts sitting in a room thinking about things, and we're like, oh, we just through our minds have discovered God. We've got it down. They've been, old dusty farts have been sitting in rooms for a long time, and they're all over the table, right? There's this book, not this book, there's a painting called The School of Athens, it's one of my favorite paintings. Me and Daniel were fans of it long ago. It's just cool. It's, it's from Raphael, and he just painted about all these different philosophers. So in the very middle there, on the left, you see Plato, and on the right, talking to him, is Aristotle, and somewhere in there is Pythagoras. He's like, you know, hugging a triangle or something. But so Plato is pointing up. He's saying, all truth comes from above. And Aristotle, even though he was smart in a lot of things, he was pretty stupid. He's like, no, truth comes from man up. We make our own truth. And we still see that battle today, right? We say all truth comes from God above. And the rest of the world says, no, truth is what you make it. It's my truth. It's your truth. Anyway, I love this painting. And I actually, Karen and I got the privilege of going to Rome on our honeymoon. And we went into the Vatican, and I'm walking through these rooms, and I had no idea it was there. And I step into a room. 
and that door right there you see in the left corner is where I step through, and I just look, and oh! I, I, I was just super excited. Get excited about good art. But anyway, there's all these philosophers, and they're trying to figure out what reality is. Like, literally, I, I made a joke about Pythagoras hugging a triangle. He literally, his, he had a cult that worshipped triangles. I'm not joking. But they're, they're sitting here trying to figure out everything. But Colossians 1 says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. I want to focus on that, the invisible God. You can't see him. You can't think him up. Matthew 11 says, At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by the Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We want to know this hidden God. We want to know the invisible God. Here's the thing. Um, we in the West, which is us here, we like our systems. I'm very engineer-minded. I like systems. If you drive in the bike lane or in the turn lane, I'm mad at you because you're messing up my system. You're messing up the system. If you get hit, it's your fault. I'm going to laugh at you when I drive by. But we like systems. <laughs> Stephen, is that a little too harsh? Yeah, it's true. I've already done it. We, we want to know God. We don't want to know these systems of religion and religiosity, if you get what I'm saying. We want to know God himself, like my friends know me, and I know my friends. So what's the difference? Well, religion would have rules where you follow the rules. Knowing God himself is a relationship. Religion would be knowing about God. There's tons of Bible scholars. You can get all these books. They're like this fat. It goes through the whole Bible, and I tell you all these little things about God. And then you can go meet the guy that wrote the book, and you ask him, what's the Lord speaking to? And he's like, well, um, I just wrote a book about blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. What is the Lord speaking to? He's like, I don't know. What do you mean? And the guy hasn't, who knows if he's prayed in the quiet place and met the Lord. Religion is about power and rule. If you studied history at all, which you should, because if you don't study history, right, there's that whole thing, you're bound to repeat it. We see that in our country right now. We see that around the world right now. If you look in the history of religion, right, someone comes into power and they want more. You see this in the Bible with the Pharisees. You see this in church history of emperors being popes, wanting power and rule. But knowing God is about submission and humility. Right? Submission and humility, a lowly heart. There's a, a philosophical scenario. So I'm going to set this up for you. There's three blind men, and you're assuming that you are one of these blind men. You have three blind men in a room, and in the middle of a room, there's an elephant. And they don't know it's an elephant. They can't see. And they walk in, and one walks up, and he grabs the elephant's ear, and he's like, oh, God is flat and flappy. And then another blind man happens to walk up to the elephant. Is the elephant supposed to represent God? And he grabs the leg. And he's like, no, it's not flat. It's huge and round and 
thick and strong. And the other one goes and grabs the tail. And it's like, well, it is round. You're right. But it is pretty flimsy. And it's it's kind of hairy at the end. It, you know, and it's, it's whacking me in the face. Like, what are, you, what are you guys talking about? And so people will use this example like, oh, like, God is the same God between the Muslims and the Christians and the Jews and the Hindus. It's all the same God. You're just looking at different parts of him. Now, here's the thing. It sounds nice. It sounds nice, right? It's kind of like the, oh, peace, love, we'll all get along. No one has to argue and fight. The thing is, whoever tells you this analogy, they're really not saying anything about God. The only thing they're really saying is, I'm the only one who knows the full truth. All you other idiots, you're all grabbing the same thing, but I'm the only one who sees the big picture. Right? Fairly arrogant. And here's the other thing they're forgetting. What if the elephant just turned and said, hey, no, you're all wrong. I'm not a snake. I'm not a leaf. I'm, I'm an elephant. You're, you're all blind. I'm an elephant. That's, that's how it is. The Bible is God's way of saying, this is who I am. This is who I am. Concretely. Right? We still hear the Lord today. Right after service, we're going to have an altar call. You can come up and you can hear the Lord. You can sit in your seat. You can be at home. You can be in the shower. Wherever you are, you can hear him. And he can tell you things. He can tell you things about yourself that you didn't know. He can tell you prophecy. He, he can tell you all these sorts of things, and it's real. But here's the thing. He will never contradict what the Bible says. That is the concrete thing. That's how you can know that Right, you're not just feeling some little part of God. You can always bring it back to this book that He's given us, so that you know you can't fall for a cult if you don't want to. So that comes to this: you cannot be about what you don't know. You cannot be about what you don't know, or to say simply, you can't know what you don't know. Pretty obvious, right? So remember how I, I told you about those three guys that all look the same? This other one, he was in my roommate's small group. My roommate, amazing guitarist. This is in college. Amazing guitarist. Uh, he's, he's actually in California right now, and he makes music, and he's great. And he gets this small group guy. It's like the second day of school, and we're hanging out. And he's like, hey, I've, you play guitar. I've always wanted to learn how to play guitar. I've never, never even really held a guitar. Can you teach me how to play guitar? And we're like, yeah, sure. And he's like, cool, I've got like 100 bucks. I want to go buy a guitar right now. And so we hop in the car, and we go to the music store. And me and my friend were, like, looking at, you know, the more budget guitars. And like, okay, actually, this one, this one's probably the best bang for your buck. You should get this one. He's like, no, 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 no. This, this kid is like, no, 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 That one's no good. This guitar. This is the good guitar. And we're, like, looking at him. It's, like, the Walmart val great value guitar. And we're like, I, okay, it's your money, bro. I mean, whatever. So we get the crappy guitar. We go back to our apartment. And my roommate helps him put the strings and tune it, you know, and then he's like, okay, now I'm going to teach you some basic chords. And he shows him an E, one of the most simple chords ever. I'm bad at guitar. I can play the E. And he's like, okay, you know, this is how you do it. And then you just strum like that. And the guy's like, you know what? No, no, no. I saw a YouTube video earlier, and that guy said to play it like this. And so I think this is actually the better way. And my roommate, he's like, you know, where I'm at very in-your-face and bold, and I don't care to tell you what I think of you. My roommate was very merciful, <laughs> graceful. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, okay, yeah, sure. And I'm like, I'm done with this guy. I left the room. <laughs> you cannot be about what you don't know. This guy, I doubt he ever learned to play the guitar. 
I think he dropped out because he doesn't know how to do anything because he's so arrogant and can't listen to advice. If you get this book, which you should, The Knowledge of the Holy, A.W. Tozer says this, the history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion. And man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. You will never rise up more than your knowledge of God. One of the things that we have a saying is if you have a high view of God, you will have a high view of man. Because we're made in God's image. Right? That's not a thing that your characteristics, right? It's not because you have a brain. It's not because you have a heartbeat. If you are human, you are made in the image of God that simple. It's that very simple. You go look at some of these other religions, and they're like, well, actually, our religion is uh, to eat that guy. That guy that over there, we eat him, actually. He's dinner. How's that sound? You know, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I like your religion, sir. I don't think you know much about God, and you will never be more than a people eater. Matthew 7, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and it was, and great was its fall. You guys ever heard of a thing called the Roman Empire? Maybe. This you know, happened like a few years back. Lasted about a thousand years. Very great empire, massive, grew, very powerful armies, very strong leaders. It doesn't exist anymore. It had a very low view of God. They did not know the true God of the universe. They had no true convictions. They were out for their own gain. And if you watch a 10-part series by our friend Francis Schaeffer called How Should We Then Live? He takes you through history and you can see that the fall of empires is actually from inner corruption, lack of righteousness, lack of holiness. Things fall apart slowly and a little bit here and there. Our country's been around for what? 250 years, something like that? That's a long way off from 1,000 or so. And you can already see in our country, people have turned away from God. Whether you think this was a Christian country at the beginning or not, I I don't really think it was, but at least we had the convictions, and people accepted this thing was true. And then we're throwing this all away, right? You can see in our country constantly convictions, values. And the Internet's not helping because then people can throw away their ideas better and find the other weirdos that agree with them. And it's an echo chamber, and you just keep throwing away these things, throwing away these sayings of Jesus. And our country is just being more and more built on this sand. And the flood is coming. It will come. Tozer says, Among the sins to which the human heart is prone, hardly any other is more hateful to God than idolatry, for idolatry is at the bottom a libel on his character. The idolatrous heart assumes that God is other than he is. In itself a monstrous sin, but it substitutes for the true God one made up after its own likeness. Always this false god will conform to the image of the one who created it, 
and it will be base or pure, cruel or kind, according to the moral state of the mind from which it emerges. That's what these Roman gods were like, just super humans, right? If, you were, if the person that decided that Athena was this way, it was just exactly like whoever thought it up, but with more power. So there could be, potentially, the god of Edward. If Edward stopped listening to the Lord, if Edward stopped reading the Bible, if Edward walked out of fellowship, and Edward said, you know what, no, I think God's actually like this. Without a doubt, every single human that does this, they turn themselves into a god and make this imaginary god just more powerful than them. It's no better than them. It's not necessarily any worse than them. But it for sure is not the god of the universe. And you cannot know the real God of the universe by making him up. C.S. Lewis says, I know God is not in my imagination because he's nothing that I could have imagined him to be. Right? I was dragged kicking and screaming into the kingdom. A reluctant convert. Have you guys found that? You find out things about God, you're like, ha. Ah. Right? We say you get kicked into the teeth by the Holy Spirit. That's, that's how you know you didn't hear from a made-up God. Because who... Who wants to do that to themselves? People live according to what they really believe deep down. We're walking, okay, so here, here I'm going to set up a scenario. You're walking through a park. You're walking through a park. And you need help with something. Doesn't matter what it is. And you see two people in this park. Which one do you ask for help? The, the happy man there on the bench? He, he looks very friendly and happy. Or the guy, hey, he just wants to play soccer. Oh, crap, he's a Nazi. <laughs> you know, he's just got that swastika tattoo. Which one, which one do you believe is trustworthy? You know, like, you might be here saying, I just, I just stole these off the internet. You might be saying, well, that, that guy, maybe he just was a Nazi. Well, then at the very least, he just proved he shouldn't get tattoos. <laughs> Who are you going to trust? When you look at this, what, what does the, the parts deep down in you, right? And some of you might think, oh, that's prejudice. Oh, yeah, gladly now, gladly with this, gladly. I will gladly be prejudiced when I'm going to trust a person, happy man who's well-dressed versus Nazi. <laughs> you can do otherwise. We need to decide who is trustworthy and what you determine is trustworthy. Is it God? Is it others? Is it yourself? The Bible says the heart is deceitful among all things. Who knows that you are the easiest person to lie to? You are the easiest person for you to lie to. Because if you want something, you, you'll get it. If you want it bad enough, you will convince yourself that you'll get it. We say... Moral rejection always comes before intellectual deception. You first must decide that you want to hate God, and then to avoid all the guilt and the shame, you'll create a, this little philosophical religious game in your mind. That, oh, and the, you know, God didn't really say that. And then you forget in Genesis is exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. Satan comes. Did God really say no, certainly, that's not what I meant. That's, that's a translation error, certainly. 
because I feel good about this thing. It'll make me feel happy, right? And you've made your own God. Remember, Psalm says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So if you've decided that you can't trust yourself necessarily, but you can trust your friends, which friends are you going to listen to? The ones that are full of the joy of the Lord and the Holy Spirit and that will go to, to battle in prayer for you? Or the ones that, you know, maybe wear God on their sleeve and go to church Sunday, but then Monday night they're out doing X, Y, Z sin, getting drunk, sleeping around, whatever it is. Which one are you going to trust? Well, your friends might be perfectly nice people. They do not have that tap to the infinite river of wisdom that is the Lord, right? That the blessings come from trusting in the godly. So who do you, how do you know God? How will we know that it's God? Your heart lies. Your heart will lie. This is why we trust in our godly friends. This is why you need to pick your friends carefully. I, I can look out here and I can see dozens of friends. I see Marshall, I see Stephen, Daniel, Edward, that any part of my life I can trust to them. I can hand Daniel my social security, my, my every, all the money I have, right? My kid, I can, I can hand my kid to any of these guys and walk away for a few hours. My kid probably wouldn't be happy about that. My wife would be really unhappy about that. But I can, I can know I can come back and, right, <laughs> I love Isaac. I handed him my kid a week ago. I knew he'd be safe. Isaac didn't know what to do. Isaac was, felt more afraid than my kid and me. I, I, okay, you can take it back now. Right? But I knew my kid would be safe because I can trust Isaac with my life because Isaac would give anything for the Lord of the universe. You can't say that about just anyone. All right, my wife gave me permission to tell the story. Okay? So she can't get mad later. <laughs> if you, right, because you can lie to yourself, but you know that it's harder to lie to your friends. And you also know I can play the religious God told me to card. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna say a specific situation, but this applies for literally everything, anything general. You better if you if you ever let these words come out of your mouth, God said to me, God told me. I'm gonna say this in the most literal sense possible. You better be damned sure. Because otherwise you are blaspheming the Lord. And you are lying about what he said. And it's straight out of hell. It is literally damned. So if those words ever come out of your mouth, this is why I don't ever like to say, I think the Lord's saying. Because then I'm not sure. I don't want to speak unless I know. I'm sure I don't want to give that. I don't Because I don't want to become that fake God. But here's something we hear so much, and it's, you know, it's because y'all are just, we're all young people who are fools. God told me I'm going to marry this girl. God said we're going to get married. Two men have come up to my wife before, like long ago, and said, God told me we're going to be married. I guess God was wrong twice because I won that battle. <laughs> right? <laughs> we've, we've, I've heard this I don't know how many times. Me and Daniel, when we were at Sam Houston, Ten different guys came up. God told me, it was like this really 
emotional service, and it was great, and literally nothing about relationships or dating or anything, and 10 separate guys came up, God told me who my wife is going to be, and all 10 said, the same girl. <laughs> so I don't know. Oh. They were all wrong, actually. They were all wrong. She's married now. They were all wrong. Ha <laughs> ha. So don't say that, because now you're all aware that if someone comes up and says, God told me that I'm this person, blah, 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 now you all know you can point at your friend and say, no, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't, you liar. When we, when we look at the world, the majority opinion is really meaningless, right? We're not talking about presidential elections or uh, you're trying to figure out where you, you and your friends are going to go eat. The majority opinion really is meaningless when we look at the world. The world is not of the Lord. The world does not know the Lord. Right? The world is constantly against him. He says, very few will come to me. Very few. The ungodly lie, and you don't vote on a king. The Lord of the universe is a king. You don't vote for king. He just is and you decide to serve him or rebel against him. We say rules without relationship leads to rebellion. So if you don't know him and you look in the Bible and it says things like, like that, don't sleep with your girlfriend. Nah, I don't like that one. I'm going to rebel against that, right? No. But if you know the Lord, he says, don't, don't do that. She's my daughter, you're my son, and I have much better plans for you. And you might be saying that everything in my body, everything in my flesh, like the Bible says, wants these things. But you know what? I love Jesus more than anything. And I don't want to hurt him. And even though I don't understand why he said this right now, I'm going to trust him. And then five years down the road, you're like, that's why he said it. Because my marriage with this wife, who was a different woman than five years back, that's why he said it. Right? If you don't have that relationship, you will see his rules and you will rebel. Because you don't know him. Because you don't know him. Winky Prattney, a good friend of ours, he tells this story. He's, he's speaking to a bunch of high school students and about why we need to follow God, why we need to worship God. And this kid stands up and he's like, I, why? I, don't, I don't think that's right. Why him? Why God? Why do we need to follow God? What's so good about this guy? And Winky's like, you know what? I... I'm a scientist. I'm down to hear other positions. What? Who would you elect then? If not God, then who else? He's like, oh, why don't we all follow me? Why don't we all worship me, eh? And Winky's like, it's easy. You're too stupid. You're not good enough. Sit down. <laughs> right? You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. So sit, sit your butt down. So here's what we say. God is God and you are not. Thank God. <laughs> right? Thank God for our sakes and thank God for your sake. Because where you are weak, he is strong. Nobody is more powerful and mighty than the creator of the universe. But at the same time, no one is more near and loving and tender and merciful and graceful. And you can know this God. You can know him. He's not some big, distant watchmaker in the skies. He's near to you. Even when you, you don't want to listen to him, he's near to you. Right? With your hard heart, he's weeping over you. People will try to find truth 
and security in all things except for God, and they will end up insane. If you try to find truth and security in anything except God, you will become insane. The wealthy become ungenerous, right? Maybe they, when they were poor, I love poor people. I'm a poor person. I assume we're all college students, so we're all poor in here. Me and my friends on the staff, we, we live fully off of the donations of people that love seeing you guys here, seeing you guys come to walk with Jesus, seeing this campus changed. And I will tell you this, the rich people, they're rich for a reason because they love their money. And I've had people that I felt bad for accepting money from them because I'm taking donations and I have more money than them. But here's the thing, the money isn't going to me. They're giving that as an offering to the Lord. Right? The wealthy become ungenerous. The famous become wild. I think, if I'm remembering right, there was a quote from Madonna. And she was like on top in the 80s or whatever. I don't know how old she is now. But she said she realized that her fame was going down, so she just had to do crazier and weirder things because that fame, she was addicted to it. I need to get back on the top. What, what's the cra- next crazy thing I can do? I need to be on the headlines. I need to be on that front page. Going insane. The insecure will have surgeries to mutilate themselves because they don't, they don't look how they think they should look. They don't look how society thinks they should look. The fearful will run to politicians. If you're afraid of things, well, these guys are supposed to be in charge. You know, but then you turn around and then the guys on the other side, yo, they're all corrupt. Really, like, they're, they're all corrupt. Sure, there's probably a handful who are genuine. But if you're afraid, you're going to hand over your responsibility to some other guy that doesn't know you, that doesn't care about you. Don't be afraid. The hurt will turn, will turn to drugs to numb themselves. I'm hurting. What will save me? Well, for the next few hours, I can get high, I can get drunk. I'll forget about it. I'll remember it in the morning, and I'll go work until I can afford more drugs and do it over again. The weak will seek out sex. Who will bring comfort to me but the next person and the next person the next person? All of these solutions dig deeper holes into your hell on this earth and the hell after this earth. If you do these things or think it's okay for others to do these things, Psalm 1 says that you do not know this Lord. You are cut off from the river of life that is his spirit. Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have you not prophesied in your name? Have you not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's not about primarily what you do. It's not about how many services you go to, what things you preach, how many good books you read, how many verses in the Bible you've memorized. It's not about that. We say we found that the Lord says intent is prior to content. And some of the people closest to God that I've met are mentally disabled. And children, he's simple, and we love him. 
and they really they can't do much. Right? And a little kid tries to help with literally anything, they probably break it, mess it up. Right? Hey mom, you're cleaning, I want to help you clean. They probably spill the bleach or something. Oh no. But that kid is pure. Jesus says, I never knew you. That's when you depart. Not, hey, you, you preached a lot, you didn't get any converts. But yeah, yeah, I guess you did it. Come on in. Or you preached and a million people got saved. Congrats. Oh, you're my favorite. No. I never knew you. A thief on the cross. I heard this. This is beautiful. Jesus is on the middle cross. There's the two thieves on either side. The first of both, mo- both mocking him. By the end of that time, one of the thieves tells Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. He's convinced that Jesus is who he said he was. And there's this little story I heard. The guy, like, dies. He appears, right? Pearly gates, whatever. St. Peter, he's like, hey, what are, oh, what are you doing here? You were, you were executed for being a thief. Like, you, how many years did you, you didn't go to church at all? Oh. Uh, how much money did you give to, no? Okay, not that. You didn't even walk an old lady across the street? What are you doing here? And the guy says, the man in the middle cross said I could come. Isn't that crazy? He met him barely, but he knew him. He said, I know you. I know who you are. Uh, What time is it? How much time do I have? Whatever. Who cares? We're college students, right? You're all young. You don't got anywhere to be. I'm going to tell you a very abbreviated testimony of mine. So I, 9-11 happened. I wanted to go to the Army because our country said Muslims are bad. So what do you do when you're in middle school and the country says a thing? Muslims are bad. Let's go kill them, right? Every, everyone said nuke the whole Middle East, flatten it, all those terrible people. And so young, impressionable me, who already was a gun nut because we live in Texas, I'll, I guess I'll join the army. And so I began desensitizing myself because oh, if I'm going to go kill these people, I, it's just what you got to do. So the middle school and high school, I'm mentally preparing myself, go to Sam Houston State, get into ROTC, get radically saved my, my freshman year. The Lord gave me visions of Muslim men at SALT. I had no intention of going to SALT for any religious reasons other than we were going camping afterwards. And so I had to go to go camping. And Jesus show, gives me these visions of Muslim men uh, while I'm bored out of my brains at one of the worship services, because if you're not a Christian, you don't like Christian music, that's for sure. And I'm like, what is going on? And the first time I hear the Lord speak, he says, these are the men you want to go kill, but I died for them too. And I, I realized, oh, if God, well, first off, I guess you're real. But if you really are this good, more good than I can imagine, then I would be the fool of the universe to not follow you. I would be an absolute idiot to not follow you. And so, but anyway, I signed a contract. I had a full ride scholarship with ROTC, signed away eight years of my life to the United States Army. And the Lord instantly, he's probably speaking to me before, but I didn't listen, right? Because I know better than God. He starts saying, I don't want you to do that. That's actually not. It's actually not my desire for your life. And because I'm a good American and the military is like, you know, second from being a saint, I was like, oh, this must be Satan. Get, go away, Satan. 
this is a good thing. And then slowly over the course of the year, God keeps speaking. No, this is not what I want for you. This is not, okay, well maybe I won't, you know, kill people. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll fly a medevac pilot. I'll be a medevac pilot. All right, that's cool. I get to fly a helicopter and people get sick or shot. Where I'll fly them to safety. No, I don't want that for you. Maybe, okay, maybe I'll be an actual medic, right? Then I'm actually saving people. That's so great. No, I don't want that for you. Okay, maybe I'll be a chaplain, God. That's a pastor in the army. You can't say no to that. No, I don't want that for you. I want you to be a missionary. Oh. Okay. And so there's one kind of a service at the altar. And the it was like the Lord was pressing down on me. And he said, that year ago, you told me you'd give me your life. That you trusted me with everything and that you loved me. But if you won't give me this one little thing, you really won't give me anything ever. And so I, I broke down. And I went to one of my good friends who knows the Lord. And I was like, I think God told me this. And he's like, well, if God told you that, then you have to, you kind of have to do it. You kind of have to get out. If he told you to get out, you have to do it. And I was like, that makes sense. So I went before this commander. He's a full bird colonel, which if you don't know what that means, he's literally a step below general. And I, w- I went up to him. I said, hey, God, uh, I don't know what you believe, but God told me to get out of this ROTC army thing. And he kind of laughed me off. Well, okay, yeah, whatever, sure. And I came back a week later, and I was like, so so how do I do this? He's like, oh, you were serious. No, you know, you can't get out. You signed away eight years of your life. I have the papers. You signing it. We've been paying you. We've been paying you monthly. We're paying for all your classes. We bought all your books. You can't. The United States government owns you for eight years. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, did did God really tell me that then? Like, this doesn't sound like it's going to work. And I talked to another godly man in the army, and he said, well, uh, you're going to have to take a risk, and you're going to have to break your contract because the army's not going to break their end. You have to break your end or get kicked out. And so I didn't really even ask what that meant. I just knew if God told me to do this, and I knew he did, and I knew he was faithful, that I had to do it. So I broke my end of the contract by not going to any more of these ROTC things. Didn't sign up for the class. I got called in. I, I went in before this commander's desk. I'm standing at attention. It was very awkward. She knows, <laughs> right? If they have any kind of mercy, they'll tell you at ease. He didn't. So I'm standing there, and he had a fat stack of papers in front of him. He's like, all right, here's what happened. You broke your contract. So you're going to sign here, here, here. And effective within a month or two, you're going to be shipped off to basic to go active duty to pay off everything that we've given you. And now I'm really freaking out. I'm like, <laughs> did God really? Did he tell me that? Like, I, this is not sounding, this isn't sounding like what he told me. And so I'm standing there at attention. I say a quick prayer, which I don't know how long it was because I was sweating my face off. And I said, well, sir, um, can we not do that? <laughs> <laughs> How about not that? It's like, I, I love the army. I still love the army. I wish I could be here, but the Lord told me. And, uh, and he sat there for a few minutes silently, mulling things over, twiddling his thumbs. And I'm still standing there at attention. And he's sitting at a chair, and you're supposed to look straight forward, so I'm like looking at the books over his head. And, and later I realized the Lord had been preparing me for this because he knew I was an idiot. And he had been giving me favor in this ROTC department. I got scholarships. 
extra scholarships that I never asked for or signed up for. I got these awards that I didn't even try to get. I got paraded in front of people and like, oh, here's Pacini, look at Pacini, look how great he is. And everyone's mad at me, like, I don't know what I did. We were doing land navigation and I was, you have to be alone because if you talk to anyone, you're cheating. And we're out here for eight hours in the middle of the night and it's raining and we all have like skin coming off our feet because they gave me too big of army boots because they didn't care. And I'm just like, I got nothing to do. So I sang worship songs for eight hours and walked through the woods, almost stepping on snakes and getting run over by bulls, finding these navigation points. And I walked back singing songs till I got to the finish and I was like, oh no, everyone left. And they're like, actually, you're the first one back. And I sit down and I start eating the food they gave me and then like 20 minutes later, this guy comes running up. <laughs> He's got this, we all had to wear like 80 pound backpacks because, you know, it's, it's just full of sand just to get used to things. He's like, am I first? And because I'm so small and we're wearing camo, he didn't see me. And I actually, Pacini's first. He got here like 30 minutes ago. And he starts cussing. He's like, that. He was walking around singing songs. <laughs> and I was running. What? Did he cheat? Like, no. The Lord had been setting me up with favor with these people. And so I'm standing in front of this colonel. And after a few minutes, he's like, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm only going to do this for you. I've never done this before, and I'm never going to do it again. I'm just going to send in a simple letter of recommendation that you don't have to go active duty. He's like, you've never done this before? No, no, it'll happen. He sends off a letter. It comes back, all right. We won't have him go active duty, but he's going to have to pay back everything we've given him with the highest interest rate possible. Who here is on student loans? Only a few of you. Thank God. All my friends have student loans. I have friends who've been out of school for 12 years. They're still paying off their student loans. I'm, like, afraid. Like, sometimes I know the interest rate is worse than the actual loan. I get my first bill. This is how, this is how the Lord provides and how I can say. Like, if this happened again today, like, Lord, I need you because I don't know if I'd be this strong again, right? But he gave me the strength in the moment. I look at my bill. A few guesses what my interest rate is, if you haven't heard the story. 17%, 20%, 75%. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> Here's my interest rate, 25 cents a month. Are you mad at me? <laughs> I got free student loans <laughs> because I listened to the Lord. Because I knew he spoke to me, my godly friends confirmed it, and then I did it. If the band wants to come up. All of reality revolves around knowing this God that we have. This invisible God who revealed himself in Jesus. All of reality revolves around him. I'm going to read a long little verse out of Romans. Romans 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that may be known of God and manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools 
And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made of corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God, God gave them up to the vile passions, for even their women exchanged natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which is due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but are also approving of those who practice them. He went off on a tirade. That wasn't a list. That was, that was a book. You can know this God rightly. You don't have to have a debased mind. You don't have to give yourself over to things because you can know him. You can meet him. And if you're wondering, is this really the God? Is, is the things I'm hearing, is that really God? Is the things I'm thinking, is that really God? You're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, the Bible says. Look around you. People that want to know God here, that can hear from him. You have this Bible that the Lord gave us. So you can't say, God told me to do X, Y, Z weird thing that God hates. But you have to be prepared to hear truth that you don't like and accept it and act on it. That's the thing. If, you, if the Lord speaks to you and you deny him, if you deny the things he said to you, if you don't want to act on it, you don't ever have to hear from him again. And I guarantee you, you won't. Because he will not let his, his words fall on deaf ears. He will not cast his pearls before swine. That's what that means. If you don't want the good things of God, but you prefer trash, then he won't give you his good things. So here's, here's the very simple thing I have to say tonight. Is don't run from God. Just don't run from him. He's the only source of life and true wisdom. He says a lot of things about a lot of things. And you won't like most of those things. But if you listen to him, if you walk with him, if you meet with him, you'll change. And I hope many of you have already experienced that. You can experience it more and more and more. I'm not the same man I was, what, like 12 years ago, 13 years ago I started walking with God. I'm not the same man, thank God. I hate that guy. Have you ever laughed with God? Have you ever laughed with him? You can. Jokes are funny because he made them funny. Have you ever wept with God? Have you ever hurt alongside Jesus? Have you ever just 
had to sleep so peaceful because you knew the Holy Spirit was there. You met with him. You've been constantly attacked with nightmares. And the Holy Spirit can come and give you a 20-minute nap that felt like a thousand years in peace. You can have that tonight. You can have it tomorrow. You can have it every day the rest of your life and for eternity. We have, if you're new, we call this area the altar. There's nothing special about it except that you have to get up and go to it. That's literally the only thing. We didn't put any ram's blood or anything, no holy water. We did pray over it, but we more prayed over you coming to it. It's open. You can come right now as I'm still talking. If you feel the Lord tugging you, you can stay in your seat. But I will tell you this, I've found over and over and over and over again. If the Lord is tugging on your heart even but a little bit, and you decide to stay in your seat, you're running from it. You're afraid of something. Even if it's just afraid of being looking weird and kneeling down on the carpet, the dirty, nasty carpet. Here's the thing, the Lord honors action and fighting to get near to him. He honors that. You can't be lazy and meet with him. He's the Lord of the universe. He's a king. He demands respect. And while he will meet you wherever you are, that's not how you treat a king. You don't treat him with lazy respect. If you feel him tugging you at all, at all, at all, if you know there's something that you need from him, that you want from him, if you know you're not near to him, if there's something you're afraid of, get off your butt. You won't regret it. It's always scary. It's always scary. Even now it's scary because you're getting up here admitting I'm not a perfect person. I've got some sort of flaw. <laughs> well, good, because that's the only people that God can work with. We're just going to meet with him. You can hear him. Whatever, whatever you need, you can hear from him. If you need a specific word, you can hear it tonight. Jesus, bless this time. Hearts are moving towards you, Jesus. Be faithful to reach, God. Be faithful to speak, Lord. We know you are, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're a small group leader, listen to the Lord. If he's telling you that someone needs prayer, if you want specific prayer, there's small group leaders. Look to your small group leader. Go bother them. They are here to love you and to serve you. The Lord made us for fellowship. 